Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi guys. Okay, so, advanced warning. I'm recording this podcast not at home. Not in my car, but also not at home. I am in Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Technically, I'm in Beach Haven right now, to be exact. It is Memorial Day weekend, and I am in an apartment that's owned by my aunt and uncle. They were kind enough to let me stay here for the weekend because nobody is currently in the apartment. It's super nice. My uncle is a carpenter and redid the whole home, the whole apartment. It's beautifully done. Um, usually when I come down, I stay on a futon in my dad's tiny little apartment and his friend was also, it was going to be a whole thing this weekend. So my aunt and uncle are generously letting me stay in their apartment. The bed here is really comfy. I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be here. However, I didn't think ahead to bringing my, um, tray table thing to record from the bed like I do at home. I use like, you know, an old hospital, not an old hospital, but like I was going to say an old lady, like an old lady bed tray table to record at home because I don't, my, I have like a blue Yeti mic and it's hundred pounds and I don't hold it in my hand. So the mic has to go somewhere. And, uh, I was like, oh great. I'll be alone in the apartment. I'll easily be able to record except the stools. Like there's no kitchen table because this is a pretty small apartment and you just eat at like the kitchen island and the stools don't have backs on them. And that's just like a no-go for me for a long period of time. And I'll probably record this in my cousin's house tomorrow. But I really wanted to try and get it done this Friday night. So here we are. Um, this room I'm in has high ceilings. And I think it's like echoing a little bit. The vibe isn't like the sound isn't great. The acoustic isn't great. So I apologize for that. My setup's a little weird. The mic isn't like directly in my face like it normally is. I don't want to turn the sound up too high on the mic because then you pick up like every sound that ever happens in the entire planet. And so yeah, that's my very long explanation for why the sound is probably going to be a little off. But you know what? It's a holiday weekend. As I've said before, could I have recorded this earlier in the week? Like, yeah, but did I like really have time? Yeah, maybe, but you know, I don't like to record during the week if I don't have to. I like to go to yoga. I like to go out for dinner. I like to do things after work, which isn't recording my podcast. So here we are, Friday night of Memorial Day weekend. If you're in LBI this weekend, I don't know, comment on my Instagram, EBP underscore feathers. We can do a meetup. <laughs> if you happen to be on Long Beach Island, <laughs> we can go and get an ice cream. <laughs> How does that sound? I'm sure nobody listening happens to be on Long Beach Island. I mean, this podcast has come out Sunday. I'll be here till Monday. I'll also be here throughout the summer. You know, some weekends. I don't come like that that often because like I said, it's kind of a tight squeeze at my dad's and... 
I don't know, because I record this podcast on the weekend, it's nice to, during the summer, I go to his place, to his apartment at home, and, you know, I get to spread out, take my time recording, just, it's just life, so I don't get to come as often as I probably like to. I mean, I could, I just choose not to come as often as I like to, but yeah, Memorial Day weekend, thrilled, thrilled, thrilled for a three-day weekend, although the weather's not going to be that nice, which kind of sucks tomorrow. It's only going to be like 63 degrees, I think it's saying, which really sucks. I'm going to go to a yoga class in the morning and then hopefully take my rollerblades out. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but I've recently bought rollerblades. They are fun, but terrifying. I'm really scared of hurting myself and I'm terrified of going down any hills, which is why I brought them here because it's completely flat here. So that should be good. Um, Maybe I'll go for a bike ride if I don't actually pull out the rollerblades get some reading done. I had this thing at the beginning of the year that I was like going to read more and I really only read in the summers when I'm like sitting outside at the pool or the beach. I really need, I mean, I listen to audiobooks as you guys know. I consume a lot of books, but I really want to get back into physically reading, like not even Kindles, like physically reading books because I think my ability to read is like, I'm losing it. (laughs) Like obviously I can read. I mean, my ability to like, pay attention to pages and long and reading a lot at once I'm losing which sucks because I've been a big reader my whole life now I have no problem with audiobooks I love audiobooks like I said I'm still consuming books so it's not like I feel terrible about it but I would like to read more I had this goal at the beginning of the year that I was gonna like read a read my book every single night and that didn't even come close to happening but I guess I could start again (laughs) Anyway, there is no big teen mom news this week. Um, a little update on Janelle is that Barbara has Ensley. Marissa's with her maternal grandmother. Kaiser's with Nate in Florida, not in Florida. I still can't tell. They're reporting that he's in Florida, but to me, I don't think he is because they were back in court multiple days. It doesn't make any sense that they're going back and forth from Florida if they be, have to be in court. And obviously, Barbara has Jace. So that's where all the kids are. Apparently, they were in court uh, Wednesday and today, or maybe Thursday and today. And Janelle left court early today because she didn't feel well, you know, as Janelle is one to do. And she apparently skipped out on a visitation she was supposed to have because she didn't feel well. So that's not a great sign. I guess on Tuesday, supposedly, they are going to make the final order on the temporary custody. Um, It's taken so long and it's been so drawn out that it's hard to believe that it's just the temporary custody order. But that is what they will be doing. Anyway, I should have talked about this like at the start of the episode. (laughs) That was not great housekeeping. I'm not covering the reunion today. As you guys know, I fucking hate Teen Mom reunions. I hate, hate, hate them. I am looking forward to seeing Nessa confront Janelle. I mean, I saw like the one minute clip of it, which is probably truly all I needed to see. Um, But what I'm going to do is after the third part, because they're doing a three part reunion, like this is the real fucking housewives. And by the way, most of the real housewives don't even need three part reunions. Vanderpump Rules 100% didn't need a three part reunion. Even though the reunion was better than the rest of the season. Like, I am a two-part reunion fan. Teen Mom should only be a one-part reunion. But 
after all three parts air, I guess I will sum up for everyone how I feel about the reunions. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I, like, just yawned three times in a row and I was trying to not yawn on mic and I, like, spoke through it. I'm sure it sounded very weird. Anyway, I am just, like, gonna go over the reunions after they happen. I can't, I can't recap a reunion every week. I can't. Nothing happens. What would be the point of that? That's not fun for me. It's probably not fun for you guys. I'm sure some people would like to hear me recap it each week, but, like, those are the breaks. Um, I just, I can't do it. So, I picked a classic episode of Teen Mom to watch. I think this is the first time I'll be recapping a classic episode on my own. I'm not sure. This is, okay, I will say the thing that sucks is that it's hard to navigate the Amazon page of Teen Mom, of old Teen Mom episodes. Yes, I can know, I know I can go and watch series, guys. I know, but there's a whole reason that I go on Amazon, as everybody knows, I just can't, I can't get into it right now. So I was on Amazon, I was looking for old seasons, I finally decided on season two, episode nine, which I think on Amazon is volume five, episode nine. Ugh, it's so annoying because some of the early seasons are, like, they're fucked up in the Amazon database, so they're not even all like in the right order they're not all correct but this is season two episode nine I picked this because well first I just like looked at a random episode and it was season two episode eight and that's the one where Janelle yells I smoke weed Barbara says you smoke what she says weed you know like the most classic hilarious gif and I looked at that one I was like oh this looks good and then I looked at like the next week and I was like Oh, this looks better. I think for next week's episode, I'm going to do a classic Teen Mom OG episode. I don't think I've done any classic Teen Mom OGs. I've talked about some of the Bean specials, and obviously we talk about OG as it comes on. By the way, a new season starts soon, which sucks. Not thrilled. Not thrilled about it. But I'll maybe watch a classic OG episode just because I haven't watched some of those in like a long fucking time. Like a really, really long time. And I'd be interested to get some eyes on the earlier seasons. I just did like an eyes movement like anybody here could see it. By the way, I really wish my cousin Julia would come on the podcast. I'm in her parents' apartment um, and I was just having dinner with her, but I didn't even ask her because I know she won't do it. And she's going to listen to this <laughs> and be like, yep, I know, because I've asked her in the past to come on and I really wish she would, but she just won't. She's too shy. Julia... You should get on shy and come on the podcast. Anyway, so yeah, I watched season two, episode nine, uh, just to set the scene of where everything is. By the way, the episode is called The Beginning of the End, in case that helps you find it. So basically, the previously on is Corey is planning to become a coal miner, which I like <laughs> completely forgot was a thing he was going to do, which he definitely does not end up doing. Um, Janelle moves in with Tori, uh, and she's back with Kiefer. Uh, Chelsea gets a job at a tanning salon. This is her infamous tanning salon job, one of the only jobs you've ever seen her work. And Kale files for uh, child support, and Joe isn't pleased about it. So let's talk about Chelsea first. Um, this was still, I was like, oh, this is boring. (laughs) Like, not for this whole episode. I found this episode to be 
pretty interesting to watch. But what I found boring was Chelsea's segment. And I was like, wait, was Chelsea's segment always boring? And I've just like romanticized it. I really, I, I'm really wondering if that's it because this is like not very entertaining to watch. I, first of all, in my opinion, like Chelsea has never been a compelling character to she just her personality like does not do it for me and I definitely had a lot of empathy for her in this episode because in this episode it starts off finding out well actually the first thing that Chelsea's voiceover says and I laughed out loud is I haven't done any studying for my GED yet (laughs) remember the days when Chelsea just like didn't get her GED for four years even though she did nothing and her dad was like would make all these conditions about him paying her rent for her having to get her GED. And she'd be like, it's too hard to study with Aubrey. <laughs> Could you imagine if anybody on the cast did something like that today? They would be raked over the coals. I really forgot how long it took Chelsea to get her GED. So she's starting a job at the tanning salon tomorrow. But the bad news is that Adam broke up with her. Um, he called her and was basically just like, I don't want to be with you anymore. So we get a classic Chelsea calling Randy on the phone to cry about it. And Randy is, like, so sick of her shit. And, frankly, like, I'm sick of her shit, too. And I haven't even been watching this, these early episodes. But it is sad. Like, it's a real, for me, at least, unfortunately, what she's going through is pretty fucking relatable. Which is, of course, sad. Like, it's sad to watch a girl that's in like, an emotionally abusive relationship, which I've always wondered if their relationship was physically abusive, and Chelsea's just never publicly talked about it, because Adam then went on to be physically abusive to all of his, um, successive girlfriends after Chelsea, but he also, I doubt, was using meth when he was with Chelsea, so maybe that's why he got physically abusive. You know, he got a lot worse in his addiction, but when Chelsea was, excuse me, when I just lost my train of thought. Oh, so Chelsea's like never publicly talked about it, but I've always kind of wondered if he had abused her and she just didn't say anything, which I wouldn't blame her and I would understand why she would want to keep that to herself. It is still very stigmatized. Unfortunately, we see the way people talk about, you know, other abuse victims on this show and I can understand why she wouldn't want to make that public. But it's just, it's hard to watch because I don't feel like Chelsea has changed. Which, uh, I mean, I've said this before, right? Like, Chelsea just got lucky enough to find a good guy. And I know people, I've seen people say they hate when you say that Chelsea's lucky because she, like, made an active choice to be with Cole. And, like, that's true to an extent. But I feel like post-Adam, if she had met another asshole, it would have just been, like, an asshole part two go around. Like, I think she really lucked out finding a guy that is as nice as Cole and is as obsessed with her as Cole is. Um, I think that Chelsea still probably gets almost all of her self-esteem from Cole. And if Cole was to leave her, which like obviously is not happening in the near future, but if Cole was to leave her, I'd be very curious to see what type of person she is. I don't think she has an identity outside of being like Aubrey Watson and Lane's mom and Cole's wife. I don't think she has any self-esteem. I think it all goes into her anxiety. I think she's a person that still really, really struggles with self-esteem, except now she, like, has a good husband who 
praises her 24-7. I think that's part of the reason why Cole is, like, so sappy and annoying is because he sees how much Chelsea needs it. But basically, like, the entire premise of this episode when it comes to Chelsea is that Adam broke up with her. She has no idea why and that she feels awful. Um, Randy basically is just like, you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Chelsea goes up and meets up with her friend. And I laugh so hard because her friend's like, I mean, like, I feel bad that you're sad, but, like, it's good that he's not here anymore. (laughs) Everybody was so tired with his shit. And it's sad to think, like, what makes me sad is to think that she had sex with him for, like, three years after this. When did Cole come into the picture when Aubrey was, like, five and Aubrey's, like, two here? That's sad. That's really sad. I can't believe she never got pregnant again by him. Like, truly, by the grace of God, does Chelsea not have a second child with Adam? Like, she's so fucking lucky that she didn't get pregnant again. Uh, I did want to point out that Aubrey has a full leopard snowsuit. It's so funny. Baby Aubrey, I don't remember thinking that she was that cute when she was on the show. Or when I was watching the show in the beginning. But I think... Because her face still looks exactly the same, but it's in baby form, I find it so cute and endearing. Like, little baby Aubrey thrills me. She is so, so, so cute. So Chelsea is like, I'm so sad about Adam and nobody wants to hear it, so I'm going to my mom's house. Now, Grandma Mary is like in full South Dakota grandma in this whole episode. First of all, like, her cheeks are bright red. Maybe she has rosacea and I shouldn't like make fun of that. I just noticed like her cheeks are bright red. At one point she's literally wearing like a turtleneck and a crew neck sweater with like a crew neck sweater sweatshirt. You know, it's, you know what I mean. And it has like fucking doves on it or like red robins. <laughs> like that thing came from Boscov's. Like I've never seen <laughs> She just looked so Midwestern grandma. I could not believe it. By the way, Chelsea Sarah is awful in this as it was in all the early seasons. And I just want to comment, like I saw a comment on Reddit this week. Actually, I think Tomlin pointed it out uh, that said that Chelsea has lost 75 pounds. Like not including like baby weight, but like early season Chelsea's. And I think remember Chelsea like a lot fatter than she was she Chelsea was not fat she just wore really baggy clothes and she carries her weight in her face because she's Randy's daughter and like I went back and looked first of all while I was watching this episode like I said it's kind of hard to tell like on tv because you're she wears such baggy clothes but I went back and looked at like what she wore the season two reunion like Chelsea was never ever ever fat She lost maybe, like, at a max from, like, her, not including babies, but, like, her heaviest weight, like, season two, three, to, like, where she was right before she had Watson. She probably lost, like, 40 pounds, which, like, what, good for her. It changed her whole body, changed her whole face. Like, I'm not, like, knocking that, but I feel like the fandom in general remembers Chelsea as being, like, a big girl, and, like, Chelsea was never a big girl, ever. She was probably a size large in these seasons, you know, and then she went down to a size small. It's just so besides the point, and I'm sure nobody cares but me, but I 
think it's interesting how people like envision early season Chelsea in their heads. And I think most of it is really just like her awful clothes that she would wear. And she'd wear like the baggiest sweatshirts with like huge sweatpants. Like guys, you have to remember like this is before we wore like leggings all of the time. Like we wore leggings a little bit. I remember when girls started wearing leggings my sophomore year in college. So that was like 2007 to 2008. And I remember, like, leggings are not pants. Remember when we thought like that? Can you believe it? And so if this is the second season, well, I guess this is, like, 2011. So we guess we were wearing leggings by then. But remember when, like, some of us were anti-leggings? But this is, like, pre-cute athleisure wear. <laughs> like, we were not back in the athleisure wear. So we were wearing, like, when we were in our lounge clothes, we were wearing, like, baggy-ass sweatpants baggy ass sweatshirts like nobody was in a cute nike getup, or as the kids call it a fit <laughs> you know so by the way you should see the packing job i did for this weekend i was really tired after yoga last night and just like threw a ton of shit into the bag and as i was like pulling out stuff to look for a pair of leggings tonight i overpacked like no i'm gonna wear three outfits this whole weekend i bought like eight outfits guys I used to be so good at packing. I used to, like, go backpacking. I was so good at packing for international trips. And then I, like, lost the art of it somewhere. I need to get back to being good at packing. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened that I became an overpacker again. It sucks. I was so good at it for a little bit. And now I just, like, am crazy overpacking. I packed way too much stuff. Like, why am I overpacking? You know, being an overpacker is not a quality I like in myself. And that's besides the point. So Chelsea goes to her job at the tanning salon. Um, it's interesting. I think that's probably the hardest Chelsea's ever worked in her life. That's rude. It's rude, but it's how I feel. How long did Chelsea even work there? Remember tanning salons, guys? Remember when we went tanning? I used to fucking love tanning I loved it now I never had like a package at a tanning salon I remember my friend Jill <laughs> like an unlimited package like she would pay a hundred dollars and go like every day to the tanning salon which is psychotic and I'm gonna text her about that as soon as we hang up she gets spray tans now thank god when I find out and I'm speaking directly to anybody that does this when I find out that somebody in 2019 goes to the tanning bed like I stay away from them because they're so unhinged they might kill me. Like, to go to a tanning salon in 2019, you have to be unhinged. I saw a girl talking about how she selected a certain level of Planet Fitness, the membership, so she could use the tanning bed. Girls, guys, we're not going to the tanning bed anymore. Do we, like, you don't think I want to go to the fucking tanning bed? My legs are so fucking pale right now. All I want to do is go lay in that box for nine minutes. I loved tanning. I loved the smell of the tan. Remember the smell of the tanning bed? And then that lotion and how fucking good it would feel to just like lay in that bed. Especially in the winter and the warm heat would just make you feel so good. And now we could wear our AirPods into the bed. God, that would be like if I could just like go lay in a tanning bed for 10 minutes have my AirPods and listen to a podcast. Like, that's literally my idea of heaven. You come out with a tan? Ugh. <laughs> that would be everything. But you know, we can't do that anymore. I have to go to hot fucking yoga. 
I have to go to hot yoga to get any sort of a warm feeling. I guess I could go to a sauna too. But God, I miss tanning salons. There is a tanning salon by my house. I drove by one and I like kind of looked because I was like, oh, there used to be a tanning salon in there. And then I realized it was still there. And I was like, wow, I can, this place must have a low overhead if they can stay in business. But remember they were like on every corner. We can't do that anymore, guys. We cannot go to the tanning salon. It's just not good. It's not good. It's not good at all. So Chelsea has her first day at the tanning salon, and she's just, like, sad about Adam. She calls her dad's afterwards, and Chelsea can't stop saying that she didn't do anything for Adam to break up with her. I think she was really caught off guard by this breakup. I think the issue is, is that, like, usually they would have these big fights, and then he would break up with her, and I think this time he just broke up with her kind of out of the blue, and she, like, did not know how to handle it because she just, like, didn't see it coming, which my terrible on and off ex-boyfriend did to me once. I'll never forget it. Well, hopefully I will forget. But I just remember that feeling of being like, I don't even understand like what just happened. And for me it was because he like met a new girl. And I would guess this is probably around when Adam met Taylor. God, I really need to go back and like rewatch all these seasons. Or maybe I just need to read some recaps. So um, Chelsea says, and this is like, Okay, she's talking to Randy, and this is what made me realize that Chelsea hasn't changed that much, and I don't know why, but she said, everyone else is happy except for me. And I was like, what a weird line to say when you're, like, 19 years old. Like, I can understand a girl my age, like, everybody else is married and has babies except for me. Like, I understand that feeling, even though I personally don't relate to it. It's not a feeling that, thank God, I feel. But I don't know. Just something about that. I was like, Chelsea is so obsessed with her image and what other people are doing and how she relates to them and if she's better or worse than them. And I think that's still true to this day. So Randy is so fed up. And anytime he talks to Chelsea about this, he's just like, he never loved you. He Well, no, he doesn't say that. He's not like, he never. he's like, he never made you happy. He, he was never a good boyfriend. He's been doing this for three years. And Chelsea says, that makes me feel like I'm nothing. I'm like, that's sad. And I think anybody with a lot of empathy, like, will watch that and feel really sad for her. Because it's just, it's hard to watch, like, a teen girl that's being emotionally abused by her shitty boyfriend that doesn't deserve her. So, yeah, let's go to Kale after a quick break. Hey guys, instead of a quick break, I took like a full hour break. Recording episodes of my own is hard. I take really long breaks and it takes me forever to record. It's not great. It's truly not great. Did I say we're going to talk about Kale? Kale seems like the next logical place to go. So basically, Kale filed for child support and Joe was ordered to pay $448 a month. Now, Do you guys remember this number? Is that because it was still the same amount that Joe was paying up until this last year? Yes, it was. Joe paid the same amount in child support Isaac's entire life, even though he went from making a average Joe salary to a TV salary, which is, it's something. 
So he got ordered to pay four forty eight a month plus a year of back child support. But Kale still hasn't received anything. Kale is living in that apartment she got. I believe it's still the same one that she got through the charity organization. It wasn't like Section 8. Um, it wasn't a government situation, but a charity for single moms, I believe, set her up in that apartment. And she, it's a tiny little apartment. Kale's come a long way, baby. She's come a long way. By the way, she said on her podcast, Instagram, her Instagram this week, that she was not, that the house fell through and that she's no longer building this house, which is like, okay, sis, sure. So Joe appeals the file support, the file support, the child support, and Kale gets the filing in the mail and she reads it to Isaac. She's like, Isaac, do you want to hear what your daddy had to say? Now, remember, Isaac is, like, a little baby in this. Like, he's 18 months old, probably. So, it's not like he can understand. But it's still, like, it's probably not great. (laughs) You know? Not great. So, basically, he says that he can't afford it. um, That Kale isn't putting enough effort into working. And that she has turned down better jobs because she wanted to work with her boyfriend. Which is, yikes. Remember at this time Kale was working at, I believe it was Sports Authority. I remember she wore those red polo shirts as her uniform, but I don't think it was Staples. I think it was Sports Authority. Sports Authority doesn't exist anymore, right? I'm pretty sure Sports Authority Authority closed down. So, Kale calls Joe and is like, um, so what's up? Why did you do this? And Joe is such a dick. Every time I watch these early episodes, I'm like, oh my God, Joe is an asshole. He says to her, I think that's a little much. And if I can bring it down, then why wouldn't I try? (laughs) Joe says that he's been buying all types of stuff for Isaac. I remember at this time, they didn't even have close to 50-50 for Isaac. Like, he was with Kale most of the time. And Kale basically explains, like... She goes to school. She pays for Isaacs. Like, she has rent, school, um, books, car insurance, car payment, Isaac stuff. And that, like, she has a ton of expenses that she needs help with. And Joe's like, okay, we'll get a better job. <laughs> and Kale's like, well, I can't get a better job because this is the job that's, like, the most flexible with me being in school. And Joe doesn't give a fuck. Kalen asks if he is going to have a lawyer. And Joe's like, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Like, you'll find out soon enough. And Kale's like, okay, but, like, if you're going to have one, then I'm going to get a lawyer, too. And he's like, don't you think you should just get one? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I, <sighs> the dickishness is, like, through the roof crazy. So, Kale's still with Jordan. I think they break up in, like, the next episode, or very shortly. Actually, I guess they break up in, like, the very first or second episode of season three. Right? Because that's, like, when she starts hooking up with Joe again. And that fizzles out extremely quickly. And then she's with Javi, like, a minute later. At least in the show timeline. Um, So, Jordan comes over. And they discuss if she should get a lawyer or not. And Kale's like, I guess I'm going to get one. And she's just not sure she can afford it. So, she goes to meet with a lawyer. Kale has the ugliest Vera Bradley bag I've ever seen for her diaper bag. Um, that makes me a hypocrite because the weekend bag I use is a Vera Bradley bag that my mom bought. It's not the ugliest pattern. It's like a navy blue. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll post it on my Instagram stories if I remember after this episode airs. 
Remind me if you want to see it. I'm sure you don't. Um, but I don't like Vera Bradley Prince anymore. I loved Vera Bradley Prince when I was younger. Actually, here's a story about Liz Bentley being a trendsetter. So my grandmother always loved Vera Bradley, right? Like my grandma was like a big Vera Bradley stan. And I decided I wanted one too when I was in eighth grade. And I was on a family vacation to, I want to say we were just in Rhode Island. One of my cousins was getting married in Newport Beach, I think. Do you call it Newport Beach, Rhode Island or just Newport, Rhode Island? I'm not sure. Alyssa, Alyssa, if you're listening, can you let me know? Anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, so I saw in stores this, we were like shopping or doing something and I saw this like Vera Bradley bag. It was this yellow print and I was like, I really want one. And my mom was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I do. I always like Nana's bags. And like, I just want one. And I'm sure I maybe like saw, I bet like one other girl at school probably had one, which is why I felt like I could have one because I was never like a super, super trendsetter. Like somebody, one other person must have had one. So I bought it and everybody called it my ugly grandma purse. And then like two years later, everybody was wearing Vera Bradley. I also was an early UGG adapter in case anybody was wondering because my aunt Sue, whose apartment I'm sitting in right now, wore Uggs for years and years. And then I got a pair because I saw the girls in Teen Vogue wearing them with skirts. That was very ahead of the time for my school. I used to post, oh my God, this was like pre-live journal days. This is sick. I used to post on the Teen Vogue message boards. <laughs> I remember there's this one account called Brianna something that would troll the shit out of everybody and everybody would get so worked up. And I'd be like, guys, just ignore her. Like she's a troll. Except I don't even know if we use the word troll then. This is so off topic. But anyway, I just noticed Kale's ugly Vera Bradley bag. And I thought, that's ugly. Vera Bradley's ugly. And then I remembered I used the Vera Bradley bag that I took from my mom. So there's there. Nobody cares. Um, so Kale goes to meet with her lawyer. And basically, the lawyer explains the reason for that $448 is that the state has determined that baby Isaac costs $700 something to raise. And that the non-custodial parent should pay 68% or 63% of, like, the estimated cost. And Joe is arguing for what she called a downward deviation, which is basically, like, I can't pay uh, the allotted cost because X, Y, and Z. The lawyer doesn't think he has any grounds to stand on, but you never know what will happen. And so Kale decides to get a lawyer, and she retains the lawyer for $350, which I was pretty shocked about for how cheap that was. Um, usually for family law retainers, you're paying like $2,500, $5,000. Like those are very standard family law retainers. But I'm guessing that she essentially just hired her for this one court hearing. So it's probably just, she just had her clients pay for. I mean, she, I don't know actually what family law attorneys pay, like charge per hour, but $350 per hour is a standard like attorney fee you know usually attorney fees are between at least in my experience between like 290 to 500 250 I guess maybe I feel like the lowest I've seen in a long time is like 290 for attorneys that I've worked with 
But I guess like for 250 to 500 would be like a standard attorney per hour range. Yeah, legal fees are fucking expensive. So maybe she just had the attorney like, maybe she just required young mom clients to pay for an hour of her time. And she would just go to the hearing and basically she didn't have to do a ton of prep work. That's my guess. But I was shocked when she said that number. I was like, oh shit, 350? Although I know that was a lot of money to Kale at the time. I mean, please don't get me wrong. 350 is a lot of fucking money for me. <laughs> if I have to unexpectedly pay 350 at once, I'm like, shit. But especially for Kale, that was a lot of money at the time. Um, Kale is very nervous about seeing Joe in court because she said he like flips out every time they're at court. And that basically expects that her and Joe are just going to, like, battle till the death of them over child support. (sighs) All right. That was Kale. Um, It was kind of a tame episode for Kale. Like, not that much happened. But I want to go on to Leah because Leah, they called this the beginning of the end because of Leah. Now, this is, like, the infamous Leah episode when talking about the relationship between Leah and Corey. This is the episode that I would say most casual fans will remember as like the breakup and demise of their marriage. Now, I know we do find out on the show eventually that Leah cheats on Corey. Like it does come up on the show. But I found the way they edited this whole episode to be extremely interesting in light of what we know about Leah and I have to wonder what MTV knew about Leah at the time um if they knew she was cheating and why why they decided to edit this the way that they did with Corey really being the villain and I like was almost shocked I like I said I haven't watched these in so long I was like almost shocked at how villainous they portrayed Corey and how responsible and level-headed they portrayed Leah and as we know like (laughs) as we come to know like those are not their actual 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 roles in their relationship and that Leah is absolutely the more impulsive and irrational one and Corey is much more level-headed now I'm not saying like that's always 100% the case but I forgot, like, how much of, like, a super mom they used to make Leah look. So it was really interesting to see. I also did notice a couple scenes where Leah was, like, clearly, clearly wearing wigs, which made me laugh. So, Leah's only working one day a week now. I guess she was working at that dental office. And she's really excited that Corey's going to be a coal miner. (laughs) So their home is falling apart. If you remember, and we see it in this scene, like, this is their infamous, like, shithole house. Like, where they have to go into the basement to bathe the girls. So, they decide that they're going to go look at some land to put a trailer down on it. The land costs $5,000, and they seem to have a large amount. A horse comes out of nowhere, and Lee's like, you think the house comes with the the horse comes with the house? And Corey's like, I don't know, Maybe. But he does say if they buy it, the whole hill will be theirs, which it just made me laugh. It just really made me laugh. And we get the iconic, is the school's good here question. (laughs) Which is funny because online it's kind of transferred into, is the school's wells here? 
is the schools well here? But Leah does say, so is the schools good here? <laughs> oh, Leah. So they decide like they want this land and they're just going to need a trailer. So she's going to go to her mom's to look for houses. And I realize I'm like, shit, did Leah not have a computer? Did they not have internet? I mean, I guess it's really possible if this is like 2011 that like they might not have had high speed internet where they were. I know that's like we got high speed internet like the moment that we could get uh, we called it cable internet. Right. Isn't that what we called it? Uh, like the mo- like literally we would check all the time like for when X- Con- it wasn't even Xfinity at the time when Comcast was like finally gonna let our neighborhood get it and like the minute we could we got it and that was like two thousand two maybe and I was like ninth grade or tenth grade probably ninth grade um, maybe even before maybe eighth grade so probably like seventh or eighth grade that we got it and. Um, but, like, a lot of places didn't get high-speed internet. I mean, some places, if you're out rural enough, you don't, you can't get high-speed internet. You have to get, like, satellite internet. It's tough. Uh, you have to get, like, mobile hotspot internet. That's not the right word for it. But I wonder if me, Leah, just, like, didn't have the internet at her house yet then. <laughs> That'd be crazy. But it's possibly true. So she goes over to her mom's house. She's wearing a wig, if you guys didn't notice, because I really noticed. And... She's looking for trailers and she's talking to her mom and she's like, mom, Corey's going to be a coal miner now. And her mom's like, what makes Corey want to be a coal miner? And she's like, you know, I'll make more money. It'll be stable. And her mom's like going from a water boy to a coal miner. (laughs) And Leah with like the thickest accent I've ever heard her says, I'm going to be a coal miner's wife. (laughs) Just like they couldn't be more stereotypical in this scene if they uh, even tried. Leah says moving will make everything easier for them at this time. Um, all Valley's appointments were closer to where she wanted to move and I guess where her mom lived. They did physical therapy for Allie at her mom's house. They couldn't do it at their house. And Leah's just like really happy and is planning on looking at trailers in the next day according to her voiceover. So we get a scene of Leah sitting outside and Corey comes outside to talk to her. And Corey basically, like, this had to have been a reproduced scene. It was so weird, and Corey was so weird in it. And basically, Corey comes outside, and he's like, well, I don't want to move or buy a new house. And Leah's like, what? What do you mean? Like, I thought we had made this decision. And he's like, well, I don't want to jump into something like we always do. This is an impulsive decision. I think we need to stay here. I'm going to coal mine for a while. We'll make some money. And then we'll move. And Leah's like, but, like, we need to move. And Corey's like, well, I need a new truck. And Corey's like, and Leah's like, what? And Corey's like, I get 10 miles to the gallon. Uh, The window's cracked. He, like, names a bunch of stuff that's wrong with it. And Leah's like, yeah, but we can't afford a new house and a new truck. And he's like, yeah, I know. Well, we're not getting a new house. (laughs) Like, I'm getting a new truck. And this, like, really went on to become... Leah's fans battle cry right for like why Corey was a terrible husband and MTV like really set him look up to look terrible like he looks awful in this scene I was like I couldn't believe how bad he came across in this episode that's why I was like is this how this really happened like 
even without all the cheating stuff, because Corey obviously didn't know she was cheating yet, like, is this, did he do this? Like, this had to be reshoots. Like, it just seemed so unbelievable. So, Leah's like, yeah, but, like, we made a decision. And Corey's like, well, this is, like, what I decided. So, I'm just letting you know. It's awful. And Leah lets us know that, like, after that, she's like, we just basically haven't really been talking since then. Um, and this is definitely, like, like they get divorced, like, a minute after this. So we get a scene. Kayla, her friend, comes over, and we watch Leah go into this disgusting basement. Kayla says, she's like, the smell down here is awful. There's a bathtub. There's a spider in the bathtub that they have to kill. Apparently, it's freezing in the basement. And... <laughs> To get the water, <laughs> I can't even, to fill the bathtub, you have to like turn on the spigot from the ceiling. I totally forgot about this, but it's not a shower head. It's like a hose spigot that comes from the ceiling and just like fills into the bathtub from like four feet above. <laughs> It's, like, really shitty. I'm 100% on Leah's side here. Like, they need to move out of that house. It's disgusting. It's, like, not... She said uh, when it rains, it the basement floods, and it's, so it's moldy down there. Like, Leah's... They did a good job of convincing me to be on Leah's side in this fight. Um, they did a good job of making Corey look bad, and they did a really good job of showing, like, how disgusting their home was. So... Leah just doesn't think it's right that he made the, like, he made this unilateral decision that they weren't going to move and that he was going to truck. And so she goes to have lunch with her parents, her mom and her stepdad, Lee, who I believe have broken up. Although I just recently, I think, saw a picture of Lee and I was a little surprised that he was in the picture. Um, I always liked Lee. He seemed like a good guy. But Leah basically explains to her parents what happened and her mom says, and now I thought he just got a new vehicle four months ago. So I'm not sure what exactly the timeline is. I'm wondering if, like, because it's the end of the season, if they got, like, an MTV bonus, and it was like, we're either going to use this bonus to... Oh, my God, I bet they did. <gasps> oh. Oh, my God, I bet they did because... Okay. Okay, because when we get to Janelle's scene, there's, like, she moves in with Tori. The place they get is, like pretty nice all day like I was kind of shocked I forgot like it was actually cute and nice and Janelle says she bought all the furniture in the house and like how the fuck would she have paid for furniture I bet they got an MTV bonus at the end of this season because like towards the end of filming the season and I wouldn't be surprised if it was like we're either we either have money to buy a truck or we have money to get a house a trailer and um Leah wanted, obviously, to get a new trailer, and Corey wants to get a truck. So, Leah explains to her family what's going on, and she says, you know, like, our whole marriage, every decision we made was just, like, together, and then recently, it's like we went separate ways. I just thought it was funny, because they'd been married for, like, less than a year at this point, or maybe just about a year, and Leah's like, you know, our whole marriage, like, they'd been together forever, Leah wants a decent house, and she's like, look, I don't want to go against my husband, but, like, I have to think of the girls for first, and basically asks her parents if they'll help her look for a trailer. 
And Lee basically is like very, you can tell he's very upset with Corey. He thinks Corey's being selfish and he thinks the man needs to come last to put his family first. Um, they're confused as to why he needs a new truck. And I do remember later coming out that Corey's truck was like undrivable and he needed the truck for work. But none of that, of course, is included in the show. And Lee is like, you know, we'll help you as much as we can. Like, when do you want me to start looking? And Leah looks down and is like, looks up and she's like, now. Basically, at that point, at least as far as the narrative of the show goes, is when Leah made the decision that she was moving and would be leaving Corey if Corey wasn't going to come along. So Leah talks to Corey and Corey is like, look, I just don't think it's smart. And Leah's like, well, you know, I have to think about the girls. And he's like, I'm thinking about the girls too. And Leah's like, no, you don't. You are only thinking about yourself. You're only thinking about your truck. And they get into a big fight. And basically Leah ends up with like, well, I'm getting a trailer. You can come if you want. You don't have to. And I was like, I, I just like could not believe that we're <laughs> that we as an audience, I could not believe this, that we as an audience watched this whole fucking season thinking Corey was such a fucking dickhead, such a dickhead, not knowing that Leah was cheating on him this whole fucking time from before they got married. Through the whole marriage, doing God knows what else with drugs. I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe that we didn't know. By the way, looks-wise, I would say this was, like, kind of peak Leah. I know that's mean. She looks great now. But, like, when she's not wearing a wig, like, yeah, her hair is, of course, it's fried blonde. But, like, that's just Leah. But she has it straight. She's not doing weird curls and crimps and colors. Looks pretty, like, she looks good. Leah looked good in this episode when she wasn't in her weird wig. It was just crazy. Like, the dynamic that they presented is just so different from anything that they would have on, like, on a Leah and Corey scene these days. We would never, ever, ever see this. It was crazy. So, finally, on to Miss Janelle, who had a incredible episode. That was me doing a chef kiss, in case you couldn't tell. Oh, God, it was so good. I highly suggest that you guys watch this episode, probably the one before and the one after, I would guess, are also equally as good for good Janelle content. This is... Okay, first of all, this episode to me is pretty sad in a way for Janelle because to me, we are seeing, like, really her mental illness. I don't know. I would have to watch, re-watch, like, more of the early seasons to see if I feel if I still feel the same about this, but I have watched some of them and I feel like this was like, this episode especially was just like Janelle's really unmanaged mental illness, whatever it is. I mean, she was diagnosed with bipolar at one point when she was in treatment, although she claims that was a misdiagnosis, which maybe it was. A lot of people coming off drugs get bipolar diagnoses. I once got a bipolar diagnosis. <laughs> But then I told them, like, how much Adderall I took. And they were like, oh, you're not bipolar. Like, you take so much speed. Uh, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> um, somebody I know was recently telling me that she got, like, a schizophrenic diagnosis because they didn't realize, like, how much drugs she was doing. Um, so people, you can get, like, kind of definitely interact, 
inaccurate diagnoses uh, when you are a drug addict. But I think it's pretty clear Janelle has, if not bipolar, she definitely shows signs of borderline personality disorder. I mean, I think it would be a little hard to diagnose Janelle, Janelle to diagnose Janelle because she has never had any sort of significant sobriety to like really evaluate her mental health. I think that that's really important when diagnosing mental illnesses in drug addicts is that your like moods and behaviors are so controlled and affected by the drugs that you do. Even if she's just, I'm using quotation marks in the air here, she's just smoking weed. I think it definitely could have like a major impact on her mental health. But I definitely think like Janelle, this episode showed me, reminded me why Janelle does the amount of drugs that she does, in my opinion. And it's because she has some sort of mental illness that she has no coping skills over. And it's very, on one hand, difficult to watch. Like when I'm watching with an empathetic eye. It's very difficult and sad for me to watch this. When I'm watching with a, like, super I love drama, trash, and chaos eye, like, it's wildly entertaining. But Janelle just, like, look, I know Janelle is not a sympathetic character. I'm not stupid. You guys know, like, if anybody knows, I know. I have a PhD in Janelle. You know, like, Janelle is my specialty, if I'm like a teen mom scholar, my specialty, my major, if I went to teen mom college, my major is in Janelle. But I can't help but look at a person that's mentally ill with empathy. And I think I give her more empathy than I give Amber. For reasons unknown, I just do. And I know that that's not like a popular opinion to have. I know people want pure hatred towards Janelle. But as I've said 6,000 times, this podcast is never going to be a podcast that is just pure hatred. I don't come to do a podcast that's just pure hatred. I'm not interested in doing a podcast that's just pure hatred. And right now, I'm just looking at 19 or 20-year-old Janelle, probably 19 in this season, and just how sad she is, like how devastatingly sad she is, like not just like how sad she is to watch, but like how sad she is. And, you know, yes, she treated her mother horribly. Yes, she treated the people around her horribly. I'm not excusing that. She was a really, she's always been a very horrible person, but I can't help but just feel sad for somebody that has such little control over their emotions and feelings. Because that's something that I can really relate to, especially when my PTSD was, uh, undiagnosed and untreated was that I had no control over anything that I felt or really like reacted to or did once I was like in a spiral. And I'll never forget my, I don't know if I've showed this on the podcast, but like once my dad and I were like in a fight and he was like, I don't understand why you're getting so upset. Like you just need to like control your feelings. And I just like remember like fucking losing it on him because I was like I cannot control my feelings like you have no fucking idea what it feels like to be me I don't have any control over this and I think like to an extent obviously like we can't control our feelings but a healthy person can control their reactions 
And in a way, and in some ways, a healthy person can control their feelings. Like when I start to feel angry, I can use my coping skills to like walk me back from that anger. When I feel sad, I can use my coping skills to deal with that sadness, you know. But when you don't have any coping skills and you have untreated PTSD, which I would guess Janelle does, plus whatever other stuff that she has, you just like, it's just so hard to live. It's very, very hard to live and it's very, very exhausting to live. And what other people see in this episode when they watch it is an ungrateful, crazy bitch. I see as somebody that has literally no coping skills still in this world and I have a deep understanding and empathy for that because I know how hard it is to live in this world when your only coping skill is doing drugs to numb yourself out like that's why I did drugs for so long because they just like numbed me out to all feelings and like the moment I had any sort of feeling it was like I need to do a drug so I don't feel this way anymore and that is where Janelle is. So the episode starts off with um, Janelle telling us that Barbara wants her to pay child support for Jace since she moved out and that Kiefer has been talking to other girls. Janelle's really upset about this because Kiefer broke up with her because she had talked to her old boyfriend. And Janelle, Kiefer comes over and they have a fight and Janelle's like, you don't care about me. And he's like, whatever, dude. And Janelle screams back, you're the only dude I, he, or he's like, whatever, dude, you talk to other dudes. And she's like, you're the only dude I talk to. It was so funny. It was like 19 dudes in one sentence. So Janelle's like, I've been begging you and begging you and begging you not to talk to other girls. That's all I ask. And that's all you do. Um, so Kiefer walks away. Janelle screams at him to come back. And Kiefer says that, he she's making fun of him which I thought was weird because she she was like mimicking him but it wasn't to make fun of him it was like to drive the point home that like Janelle was right it was such a weird line when he was like because she was like oh yeah I don't talk to other girls I don't talk to other girls and Kiefer's like stop making fun of me I was like she's not making fun of you (laughs) it was just really weird so Janelle says, as long as you call another girl that's not me or your mother, it's over. And I was like, oh, God, that's so unhealthy. So Kiefer storms out and Janelle is devastated. But she wants to show her mom that she's trying to be responsible. So she still meets up with her mom. I guess they're going to, like, social services to get child support worked out. Not really sure, like, where they went because they're in sweatpants, basically, when they go to this place and come out. So I don't really understand. Like, I guess it wasn't through court. I... I don't totally get it, but they go to this social services place. Janelle's, excuse me, ordered to pay. I just had a hiccup. Janelle is ordered to pay $30 a week in child support. (laughs) You heard that right. $30 a week, a whole $120 a month. Um, In case you guys are wondering, she paid this through, well, was supposed to pay it. I don't know how often she really paid it. But she paid it through when she was pregnant with Kaiser. When she was very pregnant with Kaiser, Barbara went to court or wherever and got the child support dropped. And she hasn't paid child support, at least not officially, since. Um, It's possible that her and Barb have some sort of deal worked out where she gives Barb money. But I kind of doubt it. I wonder if it's kind of understood between them that 
the teen mom salary is paying for Jace. And without Janelle, there's no teen mom salary. You know, as we now see. (laughs) But yeah, Janelle is not one that pays child support for Jace. Um, So they get into the car and Janelle's like, I haven't slept in two days. I've been crying over Kiefer. Kiefer and I have been fighting. And Barb, you know, tries to give her advice. And actually Barb is being decently nice. She's not yelling at Janelle at all. She's obviously like not saying what Janelle wants to hear, but she's like, I don't understand this guy. Like, all you do is fight with him. He doesn't make you happy. Pretty similar to what Randy tells uh, Chelsea in this episode. And Janelle, she, Barbara tells Janelle that she just has to have respect for herself, which is very true. But I also find it, I not ironic, but like sad, I guess, because the reason that like Janelle doesn't have respect for herself is at this point in time of the show is because of the childhood that she had and watching her mom get the shit kicked out of her, then having her mom take her anger out on her, you know, there's a reason that Janelle has no self-respect. And so for Barbara to be like, you just have to have self-respect. It's like, you know why she doesn't have self-respect, Barb. Um, so Janelle starts screaming. They're in the car together, mind you. Barbara's driving. <laughs> Janelle starts screaming on the top of her lungs, leave me alone. I was about to scream, but there are thin walls in this apartment, so I'm not going to. Um, She's screaming it over and over and over again. And Barb's like, oh, okay, God. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. Smash cut to Kiefer and Janelle in Janelle's car. Kiefer is wearing his green hoodie. This is like peak Kiefer in this episode. Like, I've never seen Kiefer be more Kiefer. And Janelle looks over and she's like, what's her name? Because Kiefer's texting someone. And Kiefer's like, it's not a her. And Janelle's like, okay, so call her. And Kiefer's like, you're stupid. And if Janelle's like, okay, if I'm stupid, then call her. And he's like, I'm not calling, I'm not calling. And Janelle's just screaming over and over again, like, call her, call her, call her. And Kiefer says, it's some dude from Facebook who said what's up to me. Janelle starts screaming that she knows it's a girl because it's 508 area code. And the last time he was talking to another girl is from a 508 area code. And Janelle's like, I've been being so honest with you. (laughs) And Kiefer's like, look, I'm not calling because I don't want to give up to you. You're being an asshole. And he's like, I don't know you shit. And Janelle's like, oh, Janelle goes, oh, you don't know me? Okay, then we're going to drive and I'm going to go leave you in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) that's what she says to him it's insane it's so crazy so Janelle like books it in her car is going so 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 fast and Kiefer's like you need to stop you need to stop he's like you have five seconds to stop this car and Janelle is screaming no I'm not going to stop I'm so upset she's like scream crying which we don't see her do that often anymore but oh I miss Janelle scream crying so Janelle just stops the car and Kiefer gets out and walks away down the road, which is just so funny. Remember how Kiefer just used to like walk around, just roam the earth. <laughs> Kiefer is a person that's like very comfortable with being homeless, very comfortable with not having a car. Like Kiefer really thrives in that environment. He's just like, all right, let me out of the car. <laughs> or a normal person would be like, please don't leave me on the side of the road. Kiefer's like, all right, bye, bitch. <laughs> So she gets home, and this is when I'm like, 
oh shit, this house Chanel lives in is nice. They show us the outside of it. It's like this cute little house. It's not even an apartment. It looks like it's two bedroom. It has like new carpets. Like it, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that this is the house that the two, those two lived in. So she's talking to Tori and she's like, I just cried the whole way home and Kiefer wasn't even in the car with me. And she explains that like they started arguing over a 508 area code and she's like, and you know what's funny? Like, I don't even know if it's a girl. I'm just assuming. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny the way like she tells Tori. She's like, shit, like I don't even really know the truth. I'm just pissed. <laughs> oh. So... Kiefer calls while she's talking to Tori and is like, I'm coming to get my shit. And he walks in the door and he admits to her, they go into her room and like he admits that it's his ex-girlfriend and Tori like literally follows them and just stands in Janelle's doorway as the two of them are having the fight. And Janelle's response to Kiefer saying that it was his ex-girlfriend, she's, this is, Unhinged, And this is what I mean by feeling sorry for her. Because, like, this is where her mind was. She's like, so what are you going to do now? Go have sex with her? Going to go marry her? Going to go have kids with her? It's like, what? Like, I that must be so exhausting to be in that head. That, like, your boyfriend texts a girl and you're like, you're going to go have kids with that girl. Oh, my God. It's so awful so he shows Janelle the text and according to Kiefer it's just her like texting him and him being like please stop texting me she says she texts him like six times and that and then he stopped and there's this really weird moment of Janelle like oh I messed up the order on this I guess there's still on the couch and Kiefer goes into the bedroom and Janelle starts screaming like oh my boyfriend that loves me so much oh he so dearly loves his ex-girlfriend and she starts screaming that Kiefer's not comforting her and he's just sitting there in the other room acting like he doesn't want me he doesn't want to give me attention he should be hugging me and saying sorry and this is like a Janelle that we still see today. Like, remember um, when they were moving into the land and Janelle, like, was so mad at David and she was talking to the producer, like, in that parking lot and she's like, I've been bawling my eyes out all day and nobody cared. David didn't care. Like, Janelle is kind of obsessed with people not paying attention to her when she's upset, which I think is also sad and also a sign of her mental illness, which is why it makes me a little sad to watch it. Kiefer's like, oh, Janelle, in this in this episode, which is crazy that she says it like multiple seasons, she says, I'm sitting here crying my eyes out and you don't even care. And Kiefer's like, what am I supposed to even do? And she's like, just don't do anything. And so she gets up, she walks to the bathroom, she slams the door like five or six times and then starts kicking the door like really violently. And Tori goes in and she's like, get out, get out, get out. But like, lets Tori stay and Janelle's like he doesn't even care about me no one fucking cares about me and this is what I mean by like Janelle showing symptoms of borderline personality disorder unfortunately I think like we're really seeing it in this episode and she definitely still portrays a lot of these symptoms and it's 
really sad. It's like the second somebody isn't like praising her, she's like, they hate me, they hate me, nobody loves me, nobody loves me. So Kiefer is like, fuck this. He slams the door and he leaves. So Janelle goes and lays in bed and we get a voiceover letting us know that Tori's boyfriend and his friend have been over all, have been partying all afternoon. Which is like a big yikes. And Kiefer's coming back over to talk again. And Janelle starts screaming, I'm not fucking dealing with people being in this house 24 fucking 7. And Tori's like, yo, can you chill out? Like, I'm not even with them right now. Which is kind of funny because like, it's your boyfriend and his friends that are partying and being loud. But I think, like, Tori's like, bitch, we live in a party house. Like, you party with us. Like, chill. And Tori's like, okay, you need to, like, not treat me this way just because Kiefer's mad at you. Like, don't be a bitch to me. And Janelle starts screaming, all of you guys are treating me bad. And Tori's like, girl, like, I haven't done anything wrong to you. Which is true. Tori this whole day has been quite nice to Janelle from what we can see and Janelle starts screaming that she's the one that bought all the furniture and the groceries in the house and Tori's like why are you fucking screaming and Janelle's like I'm moving out today fuck you I'm taking the couches too and Tori's like fine (laughs) like I don't care and while they're screaming at each other Kiefer comes in and Janelle's screaming Tori where are my clothes Tori where are my clothes Because, you know, they, like, obviously share clothes. And (laughs) Janelle walks into Tori's room. And Tori's holding a pair of drumsticks in her hand. And Janelle's screaming, like, I want my clothes. I want my clothes. And Tori's like, I'm going to give you your clothes. Like, give me a fucking second. And Janelle, like, starts crying. She's like, this is mine. This is mine. And Tori's like, if you give me a fucking second, I'll get all your stuff. And then pushes her. And Janelle starts screaming, don't push me. And then Tori, like, stands up on her bed and screams, like, if you don't get the fuck out, I'm going to flip out. And Janelle's like, fuck you. And Tori hits her with a drumstick in the head and then kind of, like, pulls her hair. And so they start fighting. And then uh, Tori's boyfriend, like, goes to pull Janelle off of Tori. And Kiefer is standing right there. And I guess... I don't know if he just wanted to fight or maybe he thought like Tori's boyfriend was going to try and fight Janelle. So he like punches Tori's boyfriend and Tori's boyfriend is like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I didn't do anything. What are you doing? So then Tori's boyfriend and Kiefer start fighting. Tori and Janelle like are like literally upside down, like on their heads because they fell off because, like I said, Tori was standing on her bed. So when she, like, hit her with the drumstick and then pulled her hair, Janelle kind of, like, brought her down. And they like, their bodies, like, flipped over. And there's just, like, five seconds of, like, complete fucking mayhem where Tori's boyfriend and Kiefer are, like, rolling on the ground, punching each other. Janelle and Tori are punching each other. I can't even imagine what, like, production and the crew is thinking at this exact second. And then, like, as soon as it starts, it's over. Like, many, many fights are. And Janelle and Tori are just, like, screaming. And Janelle sits down on Tori's bed and just starts screaming, everyone just get the fuck out, get the fuck out, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. Now, of course, this is Janelle's trademark line, leave me alone. But there's something so weird and sad and disconnected. And it's like clear Janelle's having some sort of like break 
at this point because it's like she just sits down on Tori's bed, not her own bed, Tori's bed, and just starts screaming, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. And it's like, it's, the whole scene is just like mind-boggling to watch this like, this thing escalate from Janelle, like literally Janelle goes from laying in bed to like having a fist fight with her best friend in like less than a minute time. Like it's so quick, it escalates so quickly and then it's over so quickly and I think that everybody else like comes down pretty quick except Janelle is still like screaming and in that moment I wonder what it's like to be Tori. <laughs> if I could have one cast member on this show, from the show on this podcast, and she had to tell me the whole truth, it would be Tori. Oh, Tori. All right, and that's it for my throwback episode. Like I said, I apologize if the acoustics are bad. Um, Let me know what Team Mom OG episode you would like me to watch next week, because I think that's what I'm going to do next week. All right, guys, happy Memorial Day weekend for all my Americans. I think you're not supposed to say that because Memorial Day weekend is a sad weekend. Well, it's a sad, it's supposed to be a sad Remembrance Day, but, you know, it, it's morphed into what it has, right? We can post a Facebook meme saying, like, remember what the day is really about. But anyway, have a nice long weekend. My non-American friends, have a nice Sunday. All right, guys, love you. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.